everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Mechanics. I'm Katie, and with me, as always, is... Hey, guys, what's going on? It is Jason. Oh, man. Our kids are on spring break, and we're only halfway through the week. Yeah, it. I mean, it hasn't been that awful, but you've been shuttling them around a little bit more than me, so I'm sure it's yeah. taking a toll on you. It's been a bit busy, and unfortunately, I don't have spring break at the same time they do. And it's also Holy Week, which we have a lot of stuff going on for that, too. So I feel like I've been a chicken with my head cut off lately. This week has been nuts. Yeah. I mean, it starts getting real nuts starting tomorrow. So. Yeah. Yep. That's true. That's true. Can't wait. Plus, my the pollen um, in springtime is trying to kill me. <sighs> I've heard from my nursing students that Ohio is the worst place to live if you have allergies, seasonal allergies. So yay for me. That's it. We're moving to South Bend. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's not that much different, but whew, it's been rough. Some sinus migraines this week. Uh, just a big old tornado cluster of pollen and craziness this week. Yeah. I mean, I've had a little bit of a runny nose, but it doesn't compare to anything to what you've got going on. <laughs> Yeah, I'm glad that you haven't mentioned it to me because I would have had the, the opposite of sympathy. I was assessing the situation <laughs> and I knew better than to say anything because it's just a runny nose. I can go get a tissue and I can take care of that on my own. I'm proud of you. Proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> you can be taught after, you know, 15 years together. Yep, that's true. <laughs> You're catching on. <laughs> I hope everyone else is... Um, well and healthy as they're coming into springtime and want to wish everyone a happy easter hope that it's it's such a for me easter is one of my favorite holidays and i love that it feels like the the true introduction to spring so i hope that that is exciting i i wonder if in canada it's even spring by easter do they even celebrate easter is it something weird like uh saint bunny tines day or something like that oh my gosh stop I saw this hilarious meme the other day, though, that said all of the rage um, of all the Canadian citizens is channeled into their geese. And I thought, wow, that's so true. Oh, I do hate their geese. That one attacked me. And that's why Canadians are so nice. It's because their geese are so evil. They just take it all out of all the the Canadian citizens. I believe that. That, That's the only logical explanation, I think. It sure can't be because they have awesome money. That's for sure. I mean, all this Tim Hortons, like, that's an exciting thing. That's true. I mean, that they, feel they, good. they are afraid of the dark, too, so. Oh, my gosh, that's so dumb. <laughs> I, I, honestly, <laughs> the only thing I've ever seen that in is How I Met Your Mother. I know. Right? I, they don't talk about that anywhere yeah. else. I don't know where that came from, but it's funny to me. All, all my um, knowledge about Canadians is from the movie Strange Brew. That's not true. I actually know lots of Canadians. I grew up with some friends from Canada. It was pretty fun. They always made fun of how we said words. So we trade back and forth. They're like, couch. I'm like, couch. <laughs> was that oh, how you yeah. say it? I was like, what do they say? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And I'm like, oh, you're going out in a boat? And he's like, out and about. Is that what you say? Yeah, because there's it a was... U in it, not two O's. Oots. Oot and a boot. <laughs> oh, we love Canadians. <laughs> At least I do. I do too. And the... I have nothing against Canada. I just. I know what I've seen in movies, and I just like to make fun of the things that I think are silly. And they are so nice, because Canadian geese are such jerks, so. They are. Like, I can't stand that bird, especially when it flew up my head and knocked me down and hurt my wrist. Oh, my gosh. Oh, man. Why do we have to go back to that? Like You brought up the geese. Because I saw this meme. I was not going to bring up the fact 
that you got beat up by a goose in the parking lot of your work and wanted to file a workman's comp claim because you got hurt <laughs> because you didn't strike out the goose like you should have. Have you seen a goose fly at your head? Those things are terrifying. It was like, or whatever sound a goose makes, and it was like flying out my head. I really felt like I was going to die. And here we are, still traumatized years <laughs> later. We're going to get Jason some counseling. I'm going to start a GoFundMe for Jason to get some counseling for his goose PTSD. <sighs> All right, let's move on to news because I don't want to hear about the goose story again. I don't want to go back to that. You're going to have like phantom pains and start holding your wrist before I know it. And I'm already not in the mood to sympathize with you. So it's going to end up badly. So let's talk about news. And you actually want to talk about news yourself. I do. I have something. I have something. I think you were going to talk about it anyway, but I stole it from you. So I'm sorry. Well, it, it, was, it really came from my Kickstarter news informant. You're in the field Agent. correspondent. That's right. Yeah, so the game that I wanted to talk about is kind of in my wheelhouse because I like to talk about games about bands or music. And this one is both. It is called Horns Up, the Lacuna Coil board game. And if you don't know who Lacuna Coil is, they're an Italian gothic metal band. The singer is pretty killer i was actually listening to one of their albums as a refresher before this came on and the song is also going to be the intro to the podcast this week so that's going to be a little weird but we'll roll with it if i actually listened to the podcast i would hear lacuna coil for the first time you would you you may know some you may know i don't i i recognize the band name but i don't think i know any songs by them you might like them they actually sound kind of like seven dust with a girl singer so i think you would dig it oh okay maybe so what horns up is is it's a game where you're going to be represented, you're going to be taking on the role of a fan. And your meeple is like, you know, the horns up, the rock fist thing. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to get from the entrance to the stage to see the band. And you're going to do that by some interesting card play. You're going to try to put a path down in the grid so you can move your little meeple around. But people are also going to be sabotaging you to move ahead because they want to be the first one to get to the band. It's a silly take that card game. But it's about a rock band, and the horns up meeples are flipping cool. So just that alone is worth backing this game. So if you're interested in this and you like Lacuna Coil, you like interesting take-that-card games, it has 10 days left. The basic pledge, which would be the base game and all unlock stretch goals, $29. But for an additional $9, bringing that total to 38 big ones, you can get the <laughs> base game, all the unlock stretch goals, and... The Black Metal expansion, which is basically a not suitable for work expansion that the designers asked the band about their weirdest stories on the road. And they provided them all these crazy stories that were just so outlandish that they had to mark it with a parental advisory because apparently <laughs> Lacuna Coil seen some stuff. They've seen some things. So that's kind of interesting to me because I just want to know what stories they've seen. So that's worth backing it alone just to get the, the stories. So horns up the Lacuna Coil chord game. Cord game, card game, um, <laughs> 29 bucks or 38 bucks, 10 days left. Yeah, I know nothing about this. I know nothing about Lacuna Coil. Um, if you back this, I'm going to be pissed because you never back any of the games I want to play. Uh, it has horns up meeples. It's about a band. <sighs> it's take that. You hate that. I know. I'm not going to back it. I wanted to because those meeples are really cool. But yeah, I don't <laughs> I don't really like take that games too much. So I'm, it's probably not for me, but. The theme is cool. You'd probably want it anyway. I know you. I tried to get a review copy, but they were all out. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. A lot of people are into Lakota Coil, apparently. They are. They're popular. 
Uh, sure. Um, my first item of news is a little bit different than normal. It is not a game of any sort. It's actually tabletop apparel. So this is tabletop apparel for gamers. Um, this is reprint and new designs. This is from Meeple Chase Games. Um, so they've done some Kickstarters before with their uh, like tabletop apparel but this one it's got they've got t-shirts and hoodies and leggings and earrings and socks and um like you can pick the t-shirt color you want and there's they have lots of different designs like um some around your like color like your if you have a preferred player color um my problem is I have a couple. <laughs> Jason loves the one that says, is it still your turn on it? Since he likes to play super fast. Um, there's some like galaxy meeples. One that looks like um, it's made out of like neon lights. that says board games. Just really cool. Um, meeple heartbeat. Uh, deck building is so much more fun when you're a board gamer. I really like that. Um, so just kind of fun, like quirky, like little phrases about board games, uh, you know, nothing like inappropriate or anything. Uh, I think it's it's kind of fun. Like, so I know if you're interested in wearing your love of board games out there, um, this looks like really cool. And they have all kinds of sizes up to 3XL um, in shirts, which I think is awesome. Um, these really neat like acrylic and wooden earrings that I think are awesome. They've got coasters. So I think that's pretty cool. Um, so there's only maybe about four days left on that Kickstarter. Um, it's 19 bucks for a t-shirt, which is pretty reasonable. You get to pick for one t-shirt. So you pick one t-shirt, you pick the color and you pick the size and then you pick whichever phrasing kind of design that you like the best. Um, if you want a hoodie, those are 39 bucks. And for some reason, like the high waist, um, yoga leggings are $52, but there are these really cool, like nineties, um, I think they're meeples. So like these leggings that have all these meeples in these different, like neon colors, it's, they're so nineties. They look awesome. I really want them. I know that Jason's not going to back it, but there's 52 bucks for leggings, but T-shirts are really cool. Hoodies look cool. Socks, earrings, those kind of things. Check that out. Tabletop apparel for game lovers by, um, what did I say? Maple Chase? Uh, I don't remember what you said, and it's not on the outline. Good job, Katie. Good job. Yep, Maple Chase Games. Good job. Yeah, actually good job. Thanks. So check that out. Um, another one I want to talk about is actually a game and it's a game that's, it's a standalone sequel to a game that I have a lot of, and that is gloom. And so this new version is gloomier, a night at hemlock hall. So again, like it, it's like gloom where the original gloom, it just has, you know, new family members, um, new cards to play. Gloom has this really neat, the clear card system where you're laying cards on top of each other and whatever is showing through those kind of see-through parts of the cards is higher scoring points. Um, the real idea of gloom is that it's a storytelling aspect where you're trying to recount the story of your family that's super just so tragic everyone has the most tragic life story and then you kill them off while they're that depressing so it's got this really great um like dark kind of humor and it has 
it almost looks like Edward Gorey artwork, which I really, really love. I love like the, the look of it. Um, but what I think is really neat about this is the expansion that they offer, um, which is called the Gloom Chronicles. And it actually is an expansion to turn gloom, which you can use things out of gloomier than I at Hemlock Hall with other with your other gloom sets, um, but it turns them into a serialized campaign style game. And I think that's really cool. Like it, it changes a little bit how you play. Um, so there's like this kind of new chapter, like it ties these games together in a serialized campaign. There's like variant rules. There's new challenges. Um, I, I really like that idea. Um, and it's really pretty cheap to just get um, the basic pledge, which is the new set of Gloom, A Night at Hemlock Hall, and the Gloom Chronicles, which turns you gives you a campaign. It's only 24 bucks. Now, if you're like Jason, you're like, oh, I want the nice storage solution box because they have, um, what do they call it? It has a really fun name. Yeah, I don't remember. I've looked at it. It does have a cool name. The Gloom Grief Case. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a box that's big enough to hold um, all of the Gloom cards that have ever been out there. Um, and it's, it's pretty it's pretty nice looking. So if you want that set it's a, to get the Gloom box um, with it, it's, it's going to be 49 bucks. Now, if you don't have Gloom at all, this campaign also um, gives you the opportunity to pick up some either like little add-ons or some of the sets at a discount. So if you're interested in Gloom um, from Atlas Games at all and you haven't really gotten into it, this might be a good time to check it out. So that is Gloomier and Night at Hemlock Hall. There are five days left on that Kickstarter. And that basic pledge with that expansion is $24. Yeah, Gloom is a good game. We played this so much when we first started playing games. It's it's awesome trying to make other people's family members happy so kill them off while you make yours miserable yeah it's awesome <laughs> yeah i just I, I think it's kind of that like this fun tug-and-cheek humor and the um flavor text on the cards is cool and just like trying to lay your cards so that as many negative points actually show up on your family members and you're covering up the negative points with positive points and other family member on other people's families i think that's really that's fun yeah it was ahead of its time with those plastic cards too it was all right, and the last Kickstarter I want to talk about is two games kind of in one Kickstarter. And these games are linked because they're both um, themed after um, like mythology about kind of the creation of the universe in some ways. And so it's Solani and the Girl Who Made the Stars. Um, so Solani is one, these are by Fredo Frontier Games. Uh, Solani is an abstract tiling game. And you're drafting these tiles and you're trying, you have your own player board where you are like connecting these stars that you ha are drafting and um, like making constellations and putting things in, in the best way to get the most points. And it's kind of puzzly um, as you're laying and moving these around. Um, so abstract, but kind of interesting artwork there. Um, the Girl Who Made the Stars, you're also making constellations, but you're doing this through worker placement, and you have a shared board 
that you're using with everyone. And so the artwork is really neat on these. Um, it's um, since the girl who made the stars is based on a, a St. African myth. It has that really beautiful kind of African inspired artwork. Um, just they both look really lovely. And I think that it's, it's neat to, to see a very different, different kinds of themes. So if you just want one game, if you just either want Solani or you want the girl who made the stars, um, it's $49 and the production value looks really good. Um, if you want both, it's 95. And so there's 11 days left on that Kickstarter. Um, and both games play, I think one to four players. So there's also solo variants for each of these. So that's Solani and the girl who made the stars, 11 days left, $49 for one game, 95 for two. Ooh, a $3 discount. If you buy both. Ooh, hold on. Hey, yeah, that a deal's gr- a deal. The girl who made the stars looks cool. I didn't look at Solani because it was an abstract deal, but the girl who made the stars looks really good. Yeah, it's pretty. It looks like it's. Just, I like that it's a, a, just a very different kind of aspect, and the, the components look nice too as well. That's all I got for news. All right, so we did play some games this week. We did. We played. We played lots of no thanks, which we're not going to talk about, but we did play a lot of no thanks. Um, but we played some other games, so we're going to talk about three, and we're going to start with on a high note, and we're only going to go downhill from here. So um, <laughs> the first game that we're going to talk about is an old game from Days of Wonder, out of print. I got it from my new hotness store that I like to go to that really sells a bunch of old hotness, and it's called Shop Goodwill. And <laughs> the game is called Pirate's Cove, and this is a pirate theme game, obviously. And it's a simultaneous action selection where you're trying to pick one of the, I think, six different islands to go to. And you're trying to get uh, different amounts of treasure, some coins, some points, maybe upgrade your cannons and your crew, your hull so you can hold more treasure, and your sails. So if there's ever a combat, you whoever has the highest sail will get a co- shoot first. Now, if you pick an island that someone else is going to as well, you're going to have to fight it out. See who can last the longest or who runs away to Pirate's Cove and then they get a little bonus and then you can take the action of the the island. There's also a neutral pirate. I think they're called like a legendary pirate or something that's also sailing around the sea that they're only they're going in a clockwise direction. So one, two, three, four, five, six. They just keep doing that pattern. And if you go to where they are, you have to fight them and they're really hard. So I, I like this game. The action selection is cool. I think the combat is a little ridiculous and I wish they could stream like that a little bit, but I enjoyed it. So what did you think about Pirate's Cove? Um, I didn't like it. <laughs> it I don't know. I, and I and I honestly don't know why I didn't like it. I don't know. I just didn't like it. I just felt like it was too short in some ways and then too long in other ways. Um I felt like the fighting mechanic, like that there is never a way to win, but maybe that's just because dice hate me and I always roll twos and threes and you have to roll five and six and there really isn't a mitigated, a a way to mitigate those dice rolls very much. Well, you have those cards a little bit. (sighs) Yeah, I don't know. It just didn't really grab me. I was really not into it. Yeah, and I mean it's it's not the greatest game in the world. I will say that, but it's it's a pirate theme game, and the, I think the simultaneous action selection is cool. But the rest of it, uh, I don't necessarily love. 
Libertai is a pirate-themed game with simultaneous action selection that I prefer. <laughs> That's true. I mean, I don't disagree with you there. Um, Madam Ching also has simultaneous card flipping, too. I that, don't like that one, either. Oh, I like that one. That one's good. I don't know why you like that one so much. It's just meh. It's cool. You like terrible pirate games. All right, moving on from terrible pirate games. <laughs> let's, let's go to a, another game that we did play that's a co-op game. That's right. I played a co-op game. Uh, and that game is a recently fulfilled Kickstarter, I think, from Elf Creek Games. I know that for sure. And it's called Atlantis Rising. So this is a game where you're taking on the role of, um, I think, a super powerful Atlantean. Atlanteans. Yeah. And everyone's going to have a special player power. And what you're trying to do is you are trying to gather these different resources. I think there's crystals, gold, um, Atlantium and mystic what is energy that yeah mystic energy and you're trying to use those items to build these what are they called blueprints is that what they're called mm, no i don't know what they're called they're these different parts of this machine because atlantis is sinking and there's no way to stop it so we just have to build a portal in right, order to be able to it. get out but in order before you can build the portal you got to build these other like eight pieces and then everyone has to go and contribute at least something to the portal. So it takes a lot of stuff to build. By the time you get ready to do that, the island's really far underwater. And it, yeah, you're in trouble. So you're trying to go to these different sections of the island to gather the resources, get some special power cards, uh, convert some resources into other resources that you need. And there's even uh, a love shack island. So you can go and make some babies and get some new people to come to your player board. I don't, it's the city. <laughs> it's not. It's not even a separate island. It's just part part of it. They're all penin- and, They're all peninsulas. Yeah. Yes, and I don't know why it ended up being called the Love Shack because that just seems ridiculous. Because but. you're going there, and two you're people getting extra have to, workers. Two people have to go to the space. You roll the dice, which represents the, uh, 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 and then if you get the certain amount of numbers, the baby comes out. Is that not? Is that not the theme? I don't think that that's the theme. <laughs> but anyway, this is a co-op game. You're going, you're, it's like a co-op worker placement game. You go to the thing, you roll some dice. If the dice are the right numbers, meaning higher than what you need to be on the spot you go to, you get the resource, kind of like Stone Age. If not, you're out. There's some ways to mitigate that, all that. But the island section, or the peninsula section that you're on could sink before you get to take the action, and then you got to swim back, and you basically wasted your turn. Um, so yeah, I enjoy this one. It's a good co-op that kind of slaps you around and that's the co-op that I like. And we're kind of all doing things at the same time. So it doesn't get bogged down with people getting AP in turn order. So what did you think about Atlantis rising? Now, I don't like co-ops that slap you around, but I, I did like this one. Um, the component quality, even just for at the basic pledge, was really good. Um, I liked the little meeple workers and stuff that were used. I wish they were a little bigger. Um, but I like the idea of, you know, balancing things. Um, you, you have to roll to, to gather resources, which kind of stinks in like a Stone Age type way. But you are able, I think, to mitigate the dice a lot easier in this game than in others. Um, the special powers for each of the different type of like group of Atlanteans that you kind of are in charge of are really cool and all varied and different. And I think that really helps the game um, not seem so um, demoralizing when I think it really could be. Um, I, I really I, I really liked it. I felt like thematically it was good. Um 
I would like to play it again, I think, um, to try even other different types of powers. However, I do think it is kind of brutal. So I don't love that about it because it has, it reminds me of, um, oh, Forbidden Island in some ways where the island's sinking and stuff always seems really hopeless. And I don't like that hopeless feeling. Uh, but I still, I still, I did think it was really fun. I thought it was fun. I would play it again. Yeah, I mean, it's it's no different than like Freedom, the Underground Railroad. I don't feel as bad playing this one as I do Freedom because, you know, I'm not losing Atlanteans slaves. aren't real, and if we yeah, sink right. it, it's whatever. Right. I'm not actually losing slaves and sending them to the slave market and all that mess. So right, right. Th- th- they're both punishing, but if I'm going to play a punishing game, I'd rather play one about myth and <laughs> made up things. So I know that, you know, I don't feel as bad. But yeah, this is a really good game. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I mean, I like it enough that I would play it again. I don't know that I need to own it, but I still think, it, yeah, it's it's good, especially if you like kind of brutal um, co-ops. Yeah, then I would say go for it. All right, so the last game we're going to talk about is a game I think we've talked about before. I've done a video on YouTube, and it is called Paris. This is the Kramer and Kiesling game from Game Brewer. It came out last year. Um, it's a really good game. It's, uh, you're building the six districts of Paris around the Arc de Triomphe. I don't know how to say this stuff, so I'm just going to exaggerate. Arc de Triomphe. And, uh, you're trying to score an area majority in each of these six regions to score a pile of points. That's the gist of the game. There's a little more to it, like you're jockeying for position. You're also moving your little guy around the outside of the board to gather bonus tiles into Kaido fashion where you can go as far as you want forward, but can never go backwards. And... Yeah, it's good. I still like it. It's still a good game. It looks awesome on the table. It's easy to teach. And I said it was easy to play, which it's not particularly an easy game because once all the stuff gets out on the board, it starts to get a little overwhelming of what you're looking at. But if you can get past that, I think the game is good. So did you still like Paris? Yeah, I actually think I like it more. The more I play it, the more this one kind of grows on me. This is almost a good segue. (laughs) Right. Um... Because while, yes, there is kind of one, you're, you're trying to um, use your keys to gain control of these different kind of like arrondissements around Paris, the city of Paris. Um, I think you can go about it in different ways. You can build up to make a landmark and, and move up really high. But you've also got that track where you can use it to like kind of get bonus points which is how i like to play it's not in-game points but since you can hold on to the tiles and say oh you get this many points if you have so many keys on this a certain type of um tile or something else like those kind of things um i think make it really competitive because there aren't that many of those tiles and so you're choosing how far ahead do i go to get those might i get it for somebody else and then how's that going to manipulate what i'm doing on the board because i stink at area control i can never control an area i'm lucky if i get one district that i actually win in control of even though i have the same number of keys if not more than everybody else um and I won by one point, which made me feel really good. Yeah, I yeah I I don't like it. Um, but I like that because and so I kind of played my game that way, a little bit differently than I think everyone else did. And I liked that I could do that and 
and try to make the best of my own method because you all know I love multipassive victory. And I just, I love the look of this game. I like the component quality. Um, you know, I love Paris. I love, you know, looking at the, the monuments and there's Notre Dame and Sacre Coeur and, um, you know, seeing all those different places. I think that that's really fun. So I think there's, there's lots of neat things about this game and it, it really, it, it continues to grow on me. So yeah, I liked it. I liked Paris. Yeah, I agree. And the more I play it, the more that I realize it's a really good game. I don't love a ton of Kramer and Kiesling games because a lot of them are a little on the lighter side, but I think this one's right where I like to play. Nice, solid medium. I like it. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. All right. Well, that's all the games played. So with that segue, let's move into the feature. So our feature today is about games like Paris, a game that, you know, it was okay at first, but the more I play it, the more the game grows on me like a fungus in some ways. Um, for me, this list is very hard because generally I am a little close-minded about games. I either like it or I don't. I play it once if I played it all, as, you know, our friend Chris will tell you. Katie even sees the look of space on the outside. She turns her nose up to the game. <laughs> and I agree. It's so bad. If the art is ugly, I'm just not, I don't want to give it a try. If I hear the word dexterity, spatial manipulation, area control, um, combat, I'm out. I'm out. Um, and so for me, a lot of games I play them once. If I hate it, they're dead to me. They're dead to me. I'll never look at them again. Um, and then the other reason is I, I understand sometimes a little too hasty of a judge or if I have a bad experience with the gameplay, um, the group, the way I was taught the first time, I have tried to be better about giving things a second chance. And then I either like it and it becomes a game I really enjoy or it's completely dead to me. <laughs> There's not a lot of games that I'm just kind of ambivalent about and then they just started sneak up and grow on me. So this was a hard list for me. It was a lot easier for Jason because he always kind of starts out at a, for the most part, a meh level of a game. <laughs> well, as and life in general, mostly, but yes. Right, right. It's just his personality. So it could only either go up or completely go down from there. But he at least starts at that okay level, whereas I start like I'm 100% or I'm like 0%. <laughs> so I'm going to let Jason go first. He had a much easier time with this list for games that grew on us we like them the more we play yeah so the first one that i wanted to talk about is a game that i i don't know the first time i played it maybe it was hype maybe i just wanted more out of it from the look of it and all the awesome production and that game is everdell so the first time i played it i was like man this game looks amazing it has all this gorgeous art it has these awesome minis the irrelevant tree that you stack things on it looks awesome on the table. And then I played it. I was like, this is just drawing a card and playing a card type of game. And I, I, I didn't I didn't like it. I didn't see the the engine part didn't click into my head that first play. But then I kept playing it. And I've played it probably, I don't know, five, six, seven times now. And every time, I enjoy it a lot more. Like, I see how the cards work together in the engine. I, you know, I'm using other people's cards in their town that I can use. I'm using some of the cards in the the meadow or whatever the middle area is with my worker placement spots that I'm allowed to use and I just see the stuff a little better and it makes more sense and it's a lot more enjoyable. So 
My first one that grew on me like a fungus is Everdell. I think the main issue was you're just so contrary about the cult of the new and new games that everyone likes. You're like, everybody likes it. I don't want to like it. Uh. I said hype. That's probably true. The hype was the was real. It, there was some hypnosis going on. So um, I was I was a little bit jaded, I think. But I gave it a fair shake. It grew on me. We own it. I like it. It's a great game. Yeah, I liked it from the beginning and tried to convince you that it was it was good. I actually am starting. I actually have liked it less the more we play it. <laughs> <laughs> and here I go again. I started at one hundred and it's going back down to a zero. <laughs> um, <laughs> but my first game that I want to talk about is Victorian Masterminds. Um, Victorian Masterminds is a worker placement game in in some ways. Um, where you have different workers that do different things. You're placing them in these different locations in order to get parts to build a doomsday machine or to um, take control of different monuments, landmarks. Um, there's something else you can get there, right? Uh, scientists. Oh, yeah. Or gain scientists to help you in, in completing some of your takeover. Uh for me, like the artwork was really cool and that definitely draws me into a game right off. And I, I love the steampunk look of this. But the first time I played it, I'm like, what the heck? Like it wasn't what I thought it would be. I'm like, oh, look at these cool gear pieces. I'm like, I just put them here on these things. Like look at all these cool like building minis and they just sit here. Like I just wasn't sure about it. But the more I played it, and we really played it at two players first, which is how we play a lot of games. But not a good um, idea. With this game, it was not a good idea. And so then we played it at three and four, and I think five. Is that the? Is it going to four or is it five? Uh, I, I'm not sure. Uh, whatever. We played it at the max. Let me look. Uh, I think it only goes to four. It might go only go to four. Yeah, only goes to four. Only goes to four. Yeah. So we played it at three, and then at the four, the max player count, and it just. After those couple different kinds of plays, like it really started to sing and I really enjoyed it. And the kind of um, you're placing your workers um, not blindly, but they're hidden from other people so they can't see what you're trying to do. And um, I like that you're kind of like out thinking, okay, who's going to go here and why are they going to go here and what are they getting? And um, there's a worker that can kind of negate someone's play and you resolve them in the order they were placed. So the bottom um, gear goes first and goes up the stack. Uh, you have special powers that you can get through making parts of your Dune Day machine. And it's different for each person, which I think is also cool. Um, it's just the more I play it, the more I really like it. And the more I think this is really an underrated game. Um, so my first choice is Victorian Masterminds. Yeah, I like this one from the beginning. Well, the two player play was a little rough, but I still kind of enjoyed it, but yeah, this is a really good game, and I think more people need to have it on their radar because it's not super complex. It's not the deepest game in the world, but it's just a lot of fun. So the next game I want to talk about is a legacy game. So I don't, <laughs> I, I don't play a ton of legacy games. I think I've played this one and Clank. That might be it. So the, the this the this one I'm talking about is Charterstone. So we started the campaign with our friends Jim and Kim, and I think we played through three or four games. I'm not entirely sure. And I just came away feeling like meh about it. Because usually after a couple games, my meh feeling goes away. But it, <laughs> it just didn't go away. It, it was just felt like a generic worker placement game that arbitrarily threw some 
extra rules in to make the game more complicated than it need to be. But then we got a copy for review and we started playing it with our friends Brandon and Josie. And we're about six or seven games into it this time. And I'm liking it a lot more. I don't know if it's because I'm winning now or I have played more games and like it's just clicking for me better. But it just feels like a better experience this time. And I'm enjoying it a lot more. So this one has to grow on me because the first four games were terrible. But these these new games are... I mean, it's not my favorite game in the world by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm enjoying every play of it, and I'm looking forward to playing the next one. So it had to make the list. So my second game, Charterstone. Yeah, I mean, I liked this the first time we played it. I just felt like we didn't get into it far enough. And I think we know and understand legacy games better this time around. And for Charterstone, really, it's about trying out everything new and doing all the different things. And and that freedom to explore, I think, is what makes it kind of fun. And so looking at it that manner, I think makes it even better this time. But I liked it from the beginning, of course, because it was cute. (laughs) Um, My next game is an older game. And... When Jason got it, because we had we this was an early game to our collection, I thought, what in the world did you get? It was like five dollars. Yes, and uh, <laughs> you know, per usual, that was Jason's deciding factor. Is it was cheap, and that game was Kingsport Festival. I knew nothing about Kingsburg. I hadn't heard of it, and honestly, I know I've played Kingsburg, and I still don't remember it. It just isn't that memorable for me. But Kingsport Festival, the first time we played it, I'm like, okay, it's like Yahtzee kind of, whatever. You roll the dice. Like, I don't get the theme, and you know, it's okay, but. We played it several times since, and Jason and I were just talking about how we'd like to play it again because I've played more games like this, and I really see that this has some great stuff going on. So you're rolling dice, and then you are based on the value that you get, you're putting them at these different kind of portals to get some kind of bonus or something. But also, you have this main board that you are trying to make sure that you are able to like protect yourself from, I guess, from, is it from cultists or is it from the actual Elder Gods? No, or? we're playing as cultists. We're trying to protect oh, ourselves from cultists. the investigators. Oh, right. Oh, we're actually the bad guys this time. Yes, okay, yes, I don't yeah. know. Whatever. The fact that I don't know the theme, I guess, is surprising. But I've stated before, I don't know anything about Lovecraft or Cthulhu or tentacles. But um, so you're the cultists and you're trying to, to stay away from the investigators. So there's like these events that are happening as the investors are going to come after you. So you're trying to make sure that you're prepared, that you have like, I don't know, even a way to escape. You can get to certain areas that will protect you. You can have things to protect you. Um while you're also trying to like, it's almost like a set collection with the things that you need to get in order to unlock these different cards for you. There's just more going on here than a basic, okay, roll your dice, add your total and stick them somewhere. And I think we had played like, um, or the guild of compass after this and a few other games that even maybe Machi Koro was after this that are just really simplistic as far as what you do with a dice roll. And the more I've played Kingsport Festival, even though I don't care about Lovecraft um, at this point in time, I I find that this, there's a lot more going on to this game and it it is really, it's fun. I really enjoy it. And there's 
Also, that kind of player interaction with, oh, are you going to put your dice where I need to put mine or where I want to put mine? And how do I divide them? And is it going to kind of screw you up if I do go this way? And so there's a lot of different elements happening here. And just really, Kingsport Festival has completely grown on me. Yeah, I like this one a lot better than Kingsburg. The only issue I think why it doesn't get played more is it just takes up a an obscene amount of room on the table to get all those Elder God cards laid out around the board. It's also kind of ugly. Like, it's yeah. like a lot of black. It's gross looking, yeah. Mm. Which is why we own it. It's ugly and it was $5. That says it all about our board game collection. And imagine that. It's a good game. See? The ugly and $5 rule <laughs> usually holds true. All right, so the next game, my last game I'm going to talk about is not actually an ugly game. It's a game that has cool little figures... It has awesome art, and it's based on Disney characters, and it's called Villainous. Um, so the first time I played this, I think we played it at a four play, four players, and we were all mm-hmm. learning, and it went on for like a decade, and it was <laughs> just too long. It, it it went on too long. Second time we played it, it still went on too a little bit too long, but I already knew how to play. I kind of understood the the mechanisms of the game and what I needed to do, so it was better. The last time we played, I think, I, I don't know. We've played it in between there too. But the last time I remember we playing, have. we played it at three players and it just went faster. It didn't outstay its welcome. The gameplay was fun. Trying to get the cards that I needed out of my decks was fun. Trying to keep other people from being able to meet their win condition was tricky. And I liked it a lot better. So the more I play this, the more that I seem to like it. I don't know if it's player count. I don't know if it's because I understand the game a little bit better. Because I played all the characters, I just it just felt better the last time, so I had to make this list because it's growing on me, and that is villainous. Um, yes, I think the issue is that the several times we have played it before were always with people who were new. So after the first time, which did take forever because we were all learning to play, we were always playing with some new people, and the last time we played, all of us had played before. Plus, it was one player count less. And I think if we played it again with people who knew how to play, I think I think that's really the key to Villainous, is that it comes off as something so accessible because of the Disney theme, and it's sold at, you know, it's mass market. Um, but it is a gamer's game. Like, you, because of the asymmetrical powers, like, you have to understand how to play your own game and watch other people. And for a, a lot of people who jump into this game, they're not ready for that. And I think with us playing with other people who have played before and now they get the idea, I think it will continue to be more enjoyable that way. And I'd like to try some of the new characters, which we haven't really invested in because you didn't like it for a long time. And I did. I want to point out. Yeah, I'm not saying it's my favorite game. I'll, I'll throw that caveat in. But I am liking it more the more I play it. Okay. My last game is also was totally hyped. Cult of the New, which doesn't really bother me all that much but the first time we played tapestry i was like "Mm, okay part of it was because when sometimes when instructions are being given we talked about this in podcasts before i make this face and this face says i used to think i was smart until you started explaining this game and now I feel like I'm a moron and I will never figure out this game and everyone will realize I'm an idiot and they're all going to point and laugh at me and I'm going to lose this game real bad and I don't want to play. <laughs> I know that's a lot of thought for just 
a bit of the game. But that is how I felt the first time I played Tapestry. Uh, I was just like, what do you mean? There's all these tracks and I got to keep this stuff and I have to work the civilization, which doesn't make any sense to me. And then, okay, I need these resources, but I can't seem to get any of these dang resources. And so I'm like, okay, so there's this one track that makes you move on other tracks. Great. Let's try that. And that's how I started the first time we played. And by the end of that first game, I was like, okay, okay, okay. Things pick up as you go along. It made a little more sense. I started seeing the working parts. And after that first game, I thought, you know what? I want to give this another try and I played it again. And I'm like, all right, now I understand gameplay. I'm doing all right at that. Now let me think about strategy. And we played it again and we played it again. And every time I feel like I'm understanding it more, I feel like I'm able to be a bit more competitive. Um, you know, I'm trying out different tracks. I'm trying out different ways of of moving around and, and kind of figuring out how to really um, maximize whatever civilization you're given. We've played with the expansion once. Um, I don't know what the expansion is called for the life of me. Plans and ploys. Yes, plans and ploys. And I liked that as well. And I tried one of the new uh, civilizations on that with like the aliens or something, which was really cool. So the more I play this game, uh, the more I really enjoy it. And it's definitely one that I've played with people. And I said, look, if you play it the first time and you really don't like it, uh, try it again. Try it again. Because I think that this is definitely one that the more you play it, the more it makes sense. And for me, the more I feel like I have a chance at winning, which is kind of what makes me want to stay with a game and actually enjoy a game. So my last one, a game that grew on me like a fungus for sure is Tapestry. Oh man, I love Tapestry. It's nothing but cubes and tracks. It's like everything (laughs) I've ever dreamed of in a game. What kills me is when you play Tapestry, you always do like the military route and like, oh, I'm going (laughs) to conquer. I'm going to take over and tell people. I'm like, what the heck? You are always Mr. Like... I want to play a game with basically solitaire, but we're all kind of on the same board. And yet here you come knocking over my little towers and wanting to take over on the red track. Like, give me a break, man. I know. I, I, I've played this game like a jerk and I don't even care. But it I don't know. I love it. It's it's just, yeah, I don't know. It probably really irritates me the most because I can't seem to win and it ticks me off. I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good at tapestry. Yeah. I mean, that's the reason why I keep wanting to play it because I want to beat you because it makes me <laughs> so mad. But yeah, it's a good game. So... What about you? Are there games that you played first? You're like, eh, it's okay. But the more you played it, you're like, I just can't get this game out of my head. It just grew on you. Like moss on a tree. Like mushrooms on a decaying log. I don't know. Like donuts on a Tim Hortons. That analogy doesn't make any sense. Sure it does. No, it doesn't. Just think about it a little bit. No, it doesn't. Ignore what Jason just said. But... (laughs) Tell us about the games that just really grew on you after you played them a while. Or are you like me and it's either the game is dead to you or you're obsessed with it? We want to know. Find us on Facebook. Join hashtag the Riveted Group. We love that group. Everyone's awesome there. It's a great place just to talk about games. Nothing about the games. So help us games. Um, Instagram. Share your pictures. Twitter. If you understand Twitter and the hashtag game and the retweet stuff, you go for it. I have no clue and I'll stay out of it because I'm a terrible elder millennial and I don't understand technology. So please use it (laughs) if you're good at it. Um, And of course, over on YouTube, find us there. 
click like, subscribe, and definitely comment on the content that you like, that you want to see more of, because we really want to hear from you guys. Yeah, I agree. I keep putting out videos. I don't care if anybody watches them. I just like making the videos, and eventually, maybe, they'll get a couple views. So, I <laughs> uh, also want to give a shout out to the Board Game Rundown. They have a, a mediocre uh, video podcast that they do. I don't want to say pretty okay, because that's our thing. So, I'll, that say, is our thing. I'll say mediocre for them. And uh, it's a good show. Go check it out. They do a, a weekly thing, a different topic, talk about games, talk about news. Just good dudes. Go check those out. Yeah, I didn't watch this week. Sorry, guys. I will eventually, I guess. But y'all know I don't watch any board game videos or listening podcasts. Like Atlantis Rising, Jason's like, oh my gosh, this was like so out of print. Like, and I said, oh, I just saw that there were cool shaped meeples in it. I don't even know the name of the game that he's bringing to play. Yeah. That's why we're pretty okay. Yep. Sorry, guys. I, yes, I'm the one holding back the podcast. <laughs> I didn't say that. I just said <laughs> that we're just pretty okay. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that's it for us. I hope everyone has a wonderful Easter, a wonderful um, introduction to spring. And if you are in an allergy infested area like us, hang in there. <laughs> Summer will come and we can complain about the heat and the humidity then. And we'll be wishing for, for uh, winter time again. I don't know. I wish it for wintertime. I love fall, which is another seasonal allergy problem for me. But I don't know about winter. I'm just happy to be outside again. And then I want to die when I'm outside. So it's, you know, yeah. just a, I can't win. That's true. Win. That's true. I like to stay inside. So I don't really care either way. I know. All right. So we're, we're going to do a, a GoFundMe for my Allegra and my Flonase to get us through this season. Yep. But now it's outside. I hope things are kind of starting to get a little bit back to normal. Hopefully you're able to game with other people. So be sure to tell us about those gaming meetups because we want to know what you're playing, what Kickstarters are getting fulfilled, um, what your board game group is up to. So check us out on social media. Until then, until we speak again, I've been Katie. And I'm Jason. Keep gaming, everybody. Keep gaming. <laughs>